From Seoul, Korea, KBS World Radio News Today starts right now. On today's broadcast, Radio Pyongyang goes off the air as North Korea shutters agencies handling South Korea. U.S. experts warn North Korea's talk of war may be more than rhetoric. And the Russian government blames tensions on the Korean peninsula to U.S. policy failures. This is KBS World Radio News. I'm Hee Jin Kuma. North Korea has been shuttering or reorganizing its agencies and bodies in charge of South Korean affairs following leader Kim Jong-un's declaration that he'd given up on the hostile South Korea as a partner for reunification at a ruling party meeting last month. North Korea's state-run radio Pyongyang, which aired broadcasts targeting South Korean listeners, has been off-air since Friday afternoon. Its website was still down as of Saturday, 3 p.m. The suspension of Radio Pyongyang appears linked to the closing of agencies that handled interactions with South Korea, given that one such agency reportedly operated the station. Radio Pyongyang has carried North Korea's revolutionary propaganda aimed at South Koreans since the 1960s. The so-called numbers station also broadcast formatted numbers to convey orders to North Korean agents in the South. The North also erased Uri Minjokiri, or We Are One page, from its overseas propaganda website Nenara, which uses North Korean .kp domain. The page contained content that highlighted Korean reunification. Other websites targeting South Korean readers that use .com domains have also been unreachable since Wednesday. They are likely being closed or reorganized in line with the shuttering of agencies dealing with the South. The North state-run Korean Central News Agency reported Saturday that a meeting of officials in charge of affairs with enemies had decided to readjust several organizations dealing with the South, including the North Side Committee for implementing June 15th Joint Declaration and the North Headquarters of the Pan-National Alliance for Korea's Reunification. U.S. experts warned that the situation on the Korean peninsula is as dangerous as it was just before the outbreak of the 1950-53 Korean War and that North Korean leader Kim Jong-un's frequent talk of war might be more than just bluster. In a piece in North Korean news and analysis website 38 North, Middlebury Institute of International Studies scholars Robert Carlin and Siegfried Hecker said the situation on the Korean peninsula was more dangerous than any time since early June of 1950, just before the war. They also said they believe Kim has made a strategic decision to go to war just like his grandfather did in 1950. The two scholars said they do not know when Kim will pull the trigger, but noted that the current threat goes beyond South Korean, U.S. and Japanese warnings of provocations and that the messages of war preparations appearing in North Korean state media since the start of the year are not the regime's typical bluster. They also warned that while South Korea and the U.S. believe they can deter the North with frequent warnings that an attack will result in the destruction of the North Korean regime, 
That thinking could prove fatal in the current climate. Russian Foreign Ministry spokesperson Maria Zakharova cited failures in U.S. policy as the cause for recent tensions on the Korean Peninsula. In a briefing Friday, Zakharova said escalating tensions on the Korean Peninsula demonstrate that the West's sanctions and militarized approach threatened the security of the Korean Peninsula and the nations of Northeast Asia. The spokesperson was stating her government's position on North Korean leader Kim Jong-un's recent threatening rhetoric, including his labeling of South Korea as the main enemy and his warning that the North would not avoid war. She said Moscow has repeatedly warned that intensified military activities in the region by the U.S. and its allies were dangerous. She added that we are now seeing the results of those actions and that they would ignite even more tensions in the future. She also said the U.S. needs instability around the Korean peninsula to put pressure on China. She also denied U.S. accusations that Russia attacked Ukraine with North Korean-made missiles, asserting they were fabrications to continue criticizing Russia despite the failure of U.S. campaign for Ukraine. Japanese Foreign Minister Yoko Kamikawa and U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken discussed ways to strengthen the Washington-Tokyo alliance and a host of global and regional issues such as China and North Korea on Friday, the Japanese Foreign Ministry said Saturday. Meeting in Washington, the two top diplomats pledged to work to bolster the alliance's capacity to deter and respond to threats. While exchanging views on global and regional matters, Kamikawa and Blinken agreed to cooperate closely on several issues regarding China and called for peaceful resolution to tensions across the Taiwan Strait. Regarding North Korea, the two diplomats agreed to work closely together, both bilaterally and trilaterally with South Korea, in responding to Pyongyang's nuclear and missile threats. Kamikawa's visit was in preparation for Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida's state visit in early March. North Korean politician Kim Jong-ok died Wednesday at the age of 93, North Korean official media reported Saturday. The former vice head of the organizational leadership department of North Korea's ruling party reportedly played a key role in the succession of North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. According to North Korean media, Kim Jong-un sent a wreath to the dead politician's beer. The Rodong Shinmun, the official newspaper of the North Korea's ruling party, ran a separate obituary written in the name of the party's central committee on page 3. Kim Jong-ok is believed to have remained a key figure in Kim Jong-un's government before retiring due to old age. He was last seen publicly at a celebration to commemorate the 74th anniversary of North Korea's founding in September 2022. The European Commission is set to give final approval to Korean Air's merger with Asiana, Reuters reported Friday. Citing a pair of sources, Reuters said the approval resulted from a remedy offer that included selling Asiana's cargo business and divesting passenger routes to four European cities. The Commission suspended its vetting of the merger in June, one month after warning that the deal could weaken competition in European passenger and cargo service. Korean Air submitted a remedy offer early last month. 
LG Electronics entered the North American electric vehicle charger market by launching full-scale operations at its new recharger factory in Texas. Bloomberg, Reuters and others reported Friday that LG's first EV charger production facility in the U.S. opened its doors in Fort Worth, Texas. The 5,500-square-metre facility can produce more than 10,000 charges a year. The factory is LG's EV charger production base for the North American market. It is also the company's first overseas charger production facility since the Korean electronics giant began full-scale domestic production through its subsidiary High EV Charger last year. LG said it selected Texas as its factory site due to logistical efficiency and idle facilities it can use. With its well-developed auto and finance industries, Texas has the logistics and transportation infrastructure best suited for the company. And that's the news from KBS World Radio's News Centre in Seoul. I'm Heejin Koo.